Hi, I'm Pastor Dallas Billington, Senior Pastor here at City Church, and we want to welcome you today to our services. We hope that no matter what you're facing in life, that through the message today, through God's Word, He will truly encourage your heart. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you, Lord, for this time, God. Calm our hearts, Lord, as we open your word, Lord. May the power of your word, Lord, pierce our hearts today in your precious name. Amen. A few years back, a man by the name of Harrison O'Kinney, he was working on a tugboat in Nigeria, just off the coast. They would work on the large oil uh, drilling platforms out there. And as he was working out there, he was about 20 miles off of shore, and a rogue wave hit the ship, and it immediately capsized it. And within minutes, the ship had sank to the bottom of the ocean, some 100 feet underwater. Now, Harrison was very fortunate. He was able to find in a restroom, he was able to find a small air pocket that gave him enough air to survive for a while. But he didn't know how much oxygen he had. So here he is. He's way down at the bottom of the Atlantic. It's, it's cold. It's dark. And he's not sure how much oxygen he really has. There's no way out. He built a shelf so he could sit on it and get himself a little bit out of the water. As he sat there, a day went by. There was no rescue. Uh, a second day went by, and there was no rescue. Harrison was a man of faith. He began to pray, and he prayed specifically one thing. He said, Jesus, rescue me. And he prayed so fervently, Jesus, rescue me from this situation. You're the only one that can. Jesus, rescue me. He prayed to the light of the world. Sixty hours into his ordeal, he saw a light in the darkness. A diver was coming through the ship. Uh, the dive team had been dispatched to recover bodies. I mean, certainly no one after 60 hours being at the bottom of the ocean would ever have survived. And so they were there to recover bodies. And as the diver went by, Harrison grabbed his hand. What a shock that had to be. Wow. And he was rescued after 60 hours in the bottom of the ocean. God made a way for Harrison O'Kinney. In our story today, in 2 Kings, a similar situation is happening. It's a situation of great urgency. It's a situation that something has to happen now. The Syrians were attacking the northern kingdom of Israel, they were specifically attacking the city of Samaria, which was the new capital of the northern kingdom. And it was under siege. It had been under siege. And the food was running out. In fact, there was a terrible famine in the city. You can read in 2 Kings chapter 6. I won't get into the graphic details, but it was as bad as you could ever imagine. From cannibalism to eating anything that they could possibly find. The situation was completely dire. King Jehoram was king of Israel. He was the son of King Ahab and Jezebel, the, one of the two of the most wicked people in the Old Testament. And you thought you had bad parents. 
he had two of the worst parents you could have. And King Jehoram was himself a very wicked person. But yet he was king of Israel. King Ben-Hadad II was king of Aram, which is actually modern-day Syria. He was king of the Syrians. Now, Ahab had fought Ben-Hadad I and the second. In fact, he had spared his life, this man's life at one time in battle. Now, this name, Ben-Hadad, it wasn't actually a person's name. It was a title, like Pharaoh, Pharaoh Ramsey and different things. It was actually a title. And as an interesting side note, the title means the son of the god, Hadad. This was the god of, of storms, the god of thunder. And we think people today have egos. These guys back there had some incredible egos to name themselves the son. I am the son of a god. Uh, but throughout history, we see this, don't we? We see people that say that they're the son of God. Kings that say they're the son of a god. But the interesting thing is, if you look all throughout history... Of all the people that said they were the son of God, they all died. Every one of them died. Jesus Christ said he was the son of God and he died. All the leaders of the major religions of the world died. Everyone that claimed to be the son of God died. But only one rose again. And today, that's why we're here. Today, that's why we celebrate because people say, well, who is the true son of God? Well, there's only one. The Bible says there's only one way to heaven and it's through Jesus Christ. And that's because he died and he rose again and he conquered the grave. There's only one true son of God. So the people in the city were in a terrible situation. The king was so upset Jehoram was so upset that he wanted to kill the prophet of God. He wanted to kill Elisha. He was so mad about this situation. So he sends a messenger to Elisha to talk to him. And the messenger comes and he says, The king has a question for you, Elisha. The question is, why should I wait on God any longer? We're in a terrible situation here. We need action now. Why should I be waiting on God? What's God going to do, Elisha? When we're in a time of urgency, sometimes we don't think clearly. And there was so much urgency. We oftentimes have our time where we say that there's, there's so much urgency that I need it right now, God. Right now. I can't wait. I need it now. But then there's God's time. And God's time says, you know, I know when you need it. And I'll get it to you in time. God's time, uh, Philippians uh, chapter 4, verse 19, it tells us, but my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Interestingly enough, that passage says your needs. Sometimes we, we mistake wants for needs, don't we? It's like the old Rolling Stones song, you can't always get what you want, you, you get what you need. And truly, we know that God will give us what we need. And he'll give it to us in his time. So Elisha replies in 1 Kings chapter 7, verse 1. He replies to the messenger of the king's question. Why should I wait on God any longer? And then Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow, about this time, shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. 
What's he saying there? Uh, Elisha tells the messenger, he says, tomorrow, well, about this time actually, the markets are going to be filled with food. And people will be able to go there. They'll be able to buy things at reasonable prices. And everyone will have enough food to eat. Elisha, he responds to the messenger's sense of urgency with confidence in God. I love Elisha's confidence in God. He had so much confidence. Elisha says, God told me this would happen. And I know that it's going to happen. Confidence in God. You know, when the disciples were in the middle of the storm on the Sea of Galilee and the waves were crashing all around them, they had such urgency. What did they do? They ran to Christ. And what was Christ? Christ was calm in the storm. Confidence in God. You know, a movable faith, when you have a faith that's immovable, you're not surprised when God comes through. Elisha knew that God was going to come through. He wasn't surprised that God was going to come through. We have to have confidence in God. I'll say that again. We have to have confidence in God. The great uh, Jack Nicholas, the great golfer, I was watching, he was at some charity event one time. And there was a man that was uh, hitting a shot, and I don't know, he must have been 100 or 200 feet. He was quite a ways from the green, and it was going up a hill. And Jack Nicholas was standing a little ways off, and the man's looking at it, and he yells up to, to Jack Nicholas. He says, I, I, don't see, I don't see a way here. I don't see the best path to hit this thing. Jack Nicholas standing up there, he looks down at the man, and he says, well, it's easy. You, you just want to hit it on the left side there. Just hit it at the top of the hill on the left. It's going to hit there. It's going to break a certain way, break another way, and, and you're going to have a great shot. And the guy kept saying, he said, I, I, don't, I don't see it. I don't see what you're saying. So Jack Nicholas, he, he walks down the hill to the man. He man hands him his club. He, Jack looks. He lines it up. He hits the ball. It goes right where he said it was supposed to go. It broke just as it said it was going to break. Broke again, just as he said it was going to break, and it went right in the hole. And Jack Nicholas hands the man the club, and he walks away like this. Like, I knew that was going to happen. But what's the difference here? Jack Nicholas, he is standing on the hill. He had a better vantage point than the man did. You see, sometimes we're walking through what seems like a forest, and there's trees all around, and we can't see the way out. Our vantage point as we look up is all we see is trees. We don't see a way out. But God's standing up on the hill and he's looking down and he sees the path so clear. He says, all you got to do is go a little bit to your left. You'll run into the trail and it'll take you right out of the woods. You see, God has a different vantage point than we do. God has a vantage point when we say, I don't see the way. God says, I see the way clearly. And when we have confidence in God and understand that his vantage point is so much better than ours we'll be able to be led where we need to go. Jehoram and Elisha had different vantage points. One saw with no faith. The other saw God making a way. When we have confidence in God, we have a different vantage point. Uh, verse 2 tells us, it says, Then a Lord on whose hand the king leaned, this is the messenger, answered the man of God. He said to Elisha, he said, behold, if the Lord will make the windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he says, behold, thou shalt see it with thy own eyes, but not eat 
thereof. The king's messenger said to Elisha, he said, Elisha, you you just don't see the reality of this situation. You don't know how bad it is. Even if God opened the windows of heaven and laid out blessing, we are not going to get out of this, Elisha. You got to come to terms with this. It's not going to happen. The situation is something that even God can't save us from. It's truly about faith, isn't it? Faith is the most important thing when we view the world sometimes through limited lenses. We view the world sometimes, it's like you put on the the blinders and you can only see what's right in front of you. God says, I want you to view the world through my lenses of faith. A different set of glasses so that you can see everything around you, that it, that it, it projects everything and you can see things and know that things are going to happen. Boy, it's not easy doing that, is it, when things are falling apart? Elisha, he, he saw the reality. Elisha knew what was going on. He understood the severity of the situation. He understood the urgency of the situation. He saw the reality but he focused on God. So many times it's where our focus is that matters. Is our focus on how bad the situation is? Or is our focus on the fact that the situation's bad, but that's just going to make a greater miracle for God to perform? I know he's going to perform it. As bad as it is, I know he's going to perform it, and he's going to receive the glory because of it. Elisha tells the messenger of the king, he says, well, you're going to see this great miracle, but you're not going to be able to eat of it. In verses 3 and 4, it says, And there were four leprous men at the entering end of the gate. These are the four stars of the show. These men that had leprosy, if you remember in Bible times when the person would have leprosy, being so contagious, they would send them out of the city. They would live outside of the city. So here's these four guys just sitting outside the city, talking to one another. And they said one to another, why sit we here until we die? If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine in the city, and we shall die there. If we just sit here, we die also. Now therefore come and let us fall unto the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. These four leopards were the stars of the show. And the, the, the key line in there, it's like a, a many movies, if I would say a movie line such as, I'll make you an offer you can't refuse. But he knows, well, that's the Godfather, Marlon Brando, or I'll be back, the, the Terminator. You know, there's certain lines we just, we immediately know. And the stars of our show today have a, a great line. And the line is, why should we sit here until we die? The leopards, you could see them talking one to another, wondering what to do. And, and one of them looks at the other three and he says, you know, guys, why are we just sitting here? Guys, why sit here until we die? If we go in the city, we're dead. If we just stay here, we're dead. But if we go into the camp of the Syrians, we got a chance. They might kill us, but also they might, 
They might take us prisoner and, and, and we'll be alive. But we can't do that if we just sit here. We have to get up. Sometimes in life we have to get up. When things are tough, when things are hard, we got to get up and we got to start moving forward. we got to believe that God's going to open up a door. No matter what is in our way, we got to say, I believe, God, that you're going to have something. But I'm not going to sit here until I die. I'm going to get up and I'm going to start moving forward. It's like the, mo the motivational speaker once said, when you're going through hell, keep going. My son would say, that's, that's my coach's speech for the day. <laughs> you know, when you, when you run a, a marathon, you don't get to mile 20. And I know some of you have ran marathons in here. You don't get to mile 20 and, and, and say, well, I got 6.2 left. I think I'll just stop here for a while and I'll rest, sit down for a half hour. You're not going to be able to get going again. You got to keep moving. And that's what they did. They didn't even wait till morning. They, they left immediately. They left immediately. And in, in verse 5, it, it says, and they rose up in the twilight. They didn't wait till morning to go into the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear of chariots and a noise of horses and a noise of a great host. And they said, one to another, lo, the king of Israel has hired against us the king of the Hittites and the king of the Egyptians to come upon us. Wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents and their horses and their donkeys, even the camp as it was, and fled for their life. And when the leopards came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went in one tent and they did eat and drink and carried away silver and gold and raiment and went and hid it. And came into another and entered into it and carried thence also and went and hid it. So the leopards came into the camp of the Syrians. And they were all gone. The whole army had left. God had brought a miracle. God had brought a noise that sounded like an army. It was like Patton's 3rd Heavy Armored Division coming through Europe. And it scared them half to death. And they literally just ran out of the camp. They left everything. And when the leopards got there, there was all kinds of food. There was all kinds of, of supplies. There was gold and silver. They just left everything in the camp. Isn't that amazing? God made a way. He scared off the enemy. You know, God can scare off whatever is attacking you in your life today. Maybe you have something that you think, man, that enemy is so big. It's so powerful. But God can supernaturally create a miracle and scare that enemy off in your life. In Deuteronomy 31, verse 6, it says, Be strong and of good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go before you. He will not fail you, will not forsake you. One translation says, he marches with you. He's marching right beside of us. Verse 9, once the stars of our show, they find all of the, the food, here's what they do. They're eating, they're having a good old time, and they, they said one to another, we do not well this day is a day of good tidings, and we hold our peace. If we tarry till morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come that we may go and tell the king's household. So that they came 
and called into the porter of the city. And they told them, saying, We came to the camp of the Syrians, and behold, there was no man there, neither voice of a man, but horses tied and donkeys tied and tents as they were. And he called the porters, and they told it to the king's house within. So the leopards came to the city. They didn't want, they had this great news, and they didn't want to keep that good news to themselves. They wanted to share it. They wanted to let the people know, the people that were dying of starvation in that city, they wanted to let them know, we have the answer. We have food. It's in the city. It's in the, it's in the camp of the Syrians. When you have something that can save someone's life, you share it. When you have something that can save someone's soul from hell, you share it. Are we sharing today the good news of Jesus Christ? There's a starving world out there. Are we sharing the love and the news of Christ to a dying world? Or are we keeping it to ourselves? There's a story of a man... He would go in this restaurant. Quite often, he would frequent there. And the man who owned the restaurant had immigrated to this country. And he'd come from a country where Christianity was not very popular. He was not a Christian. But the man that would go to the restaurant was a Christian. And he would say to himself, he would say, one day I'm going to tell that man about Jesus Christ. Just feel it. I feel it. God's put that on my heart. One of these times, I'm going to find a, a, a time where I could talk to him about Christ. And he would go in and go in. Every time he would go in, he would feel that same way. One day, he went into that restaurant, and the man wasn't there. And he asked the lady, he says, well, where's the owner at? He's always here. She said, didn't you hear? He passed away last night of a heart attack. The man never shared Christ with him. When we have an opportunity to share the, Christ, the gospel of Christ, we need to share it. Because we don't know, we don't know how long a person has left in their life. We don't know if that's the last opportunity we'll ever have to share our faith. In Romans, first chapter, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. You should never be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But just as that, that gift, just as that hope that those leopards found in that camp, we have a hope today, a hope of eternity in heaven through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that we need to share to others. In conclusion, in verse 16, it concludes our story. It says, and the people went out. They heard about all the food and everything going on in the Syrian camp, and they went out and spoiled the tents of the Syrians. So a measure of fine flour was sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord. And the king appointed the Lord this messenger that he sent, on whose hand he leaned to have charge of the gate. And the people trod upon him in the gate, and he died. And the man of God, as the man of God had said, who spake when the king came down to him. And it came to pass, as the man of God had spoken to the king, 
saying, two measures of barley for a shekel and a measure of fine flour for a shekel shall be tomorrow about this time in the gate of Samaria. And that Lord answered the man of God and said, now behold, if the Lord should make the windows of heaven, might such a thing be. And he said, behold, thou shalt see it with thy own eyes, but thou shalt not eat thereof. And so it fell upon him, for the people trode upon him in the gate, and he died. The people heard that there was food in the camp, and they literally, as you can imagine, have not eating for some time, they literally created a stampede to the camp. And that messenger of the king, the man who had, had so critical of Elisha, the man that said that not even God can save us, Elisha told him, he says, well, God is going to save us. And you'll see it, but you'll not eat of it. And as that stampede went to the camp of the Syrians, that man was standing there. And the stampede ran him over and he died. You know, today, if you're in an impossible situation, don't Set there until you die. Because God can make a way even when there seems to be no way. Let's pray. Lord, we find so much comfort, God, in, in your word. Lord, the truths that you have for us, the encouragement that you have, Lord, the story today was impossible when you look at it from a human perspective. There was no way that, that the Israelites could have overcame the Syrians. It wasn't going to happen. But Lord, you make the impossible possible. And Lord, it gives us, Lord, that example in our lives to understand that even in the worst of times, God, we must have confidence in you we must get up and we must get moving God because as long as we're here on this earth Lord you have a plan for us God and when we leave this earth as believers God we know where our eternity is Lord if there's someone here today who has never known you as their savior God may today be the day of their salvation in your precious name I hope Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, has spoke to you today through his word. You know, no matter what you go through, no matter what you face in life, I want you to know that through the one, Jesus Christ, through his death on the cross of Calvary, he shed his perfect blood for you and for me. And if you pray right now and ask Jesus into your heart, the message that you heard today, why God is speaking to you, I want you to know that you can have hope. And all you have to do is pray with me right now. Don't try and figure it out. The Lord says by faith, we accept Jesus as our Savior, and you'll have hope for eternity. You say, Dallas, will you help me? What do I have to do? Well, let me share with you a verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If you're willing to believe that God sent his son to die on a cross for you, just pray this prayer with me right now. And you can have heaven as your home. 
Jesus will forgive you for anything you've done in this life. And you can have hope from this day forward. Pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, forgive me a sinner. I believe that you're God's son. And you came and lived a perfect life. And you died on the cross. And you shed your perfect blood for all of my sin. And right now, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart to forgive me for all of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And from this day forward, help me to live by your resurrection power. In Jesus' name. If you've prayed that prayer, we want to hear from you. Contact us through our website, City Church AC. Or you can get at our church app through any of the um, streaming services. And we want you to know that we'll contact you. And from this day forward, no matter what you face, you'll always have hope knowing that Jesus is your Savior and he'll come through in your life. Thank you for being with us today.